Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark, and it is presented by Live Casino Hotel Philadelphia. We're dealing with a very serious subject on this podcast. It is Suicide Prevention Month, and former first-round draft pick of the Eagles in 2014, Marcus Smith, he's got a story to tell. And he knows what first-round draft pick Jalen Rager was going through, some of the struggles, expectations with that label of first-round draft pick. Jalen Rager's returning to Philadelphia Monday night to face the Eagles. He's now teammates with Justin Jefferson, who he was compared to a lot. Marcus Smith has a very powerful story the pressures of being a first-round draft pick, especially in Philly. Marcus Smith, welcome back to Philly. Man, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> Good to see you. I saw you get out of the car and you kind of saw the link there. Yeah, man. It was. It definitely brought back a lot of memories. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, we're glad you came here to Philly to talk with us because uh, it is Suicide Prevention Month. There's a lot of things that athletes deal with these days with yeah. mental health, depression, anxiety. This month is is very... Uh, near and dear to my heart, for sure. And I think that mental health is being talked about more. And this is what we need, you know, as people in the United States in general, especially with COVID being 2020, you've seen the, you've seen everyone talk about mental health more because we're being at home. It forced us to sit with ourselves and we couldn't do the things that we wanted to do on a daily, on a daily basis. So yeah, this, this month is, is really near and dear to my heart and suicide prevention, that's just something that I think we should definitely take serious and, and take it into account. Well, we're gonna get into your story to help understand what goes on for a first round draft pick yeah. here in Philadelphia and other places. And it's interesting because you were drafted in the first round eight years ago yeah. and <laughs> Jalen Rager is coming back to Philly to face the Eagles yeah. with the Vikings. He was traded didn't work out here for him. Yeah. But when you watch Jalen Rager play, mm -hmm. being a former first round pick where it just didn't work out here in Philly, I remember two plays last year where he had a chance to catch the game winning touchdown, Jalen Hurts bringing him back against the Giants and he dropped both opportunities. Yeah. When you watched him play in those situations, did you have an idea or get an understanding of what he was going through? Yeah, I, I definitely had an understanding just over, over, over the whole, whole aspect of the game and how the game was flowing in that on that day because I've been through some of the same things and I think for me through my experience it would be like I would handicap myself on the field because of the pressure and and me wanting to appease my coaches the fans and we, me wanting to be the player that I wanted to be and then you also oftentimes think about what could go wrong. And if you think about what could go wrong, sometimes it does happen. And so him dropping those passes, he could have thought about that even before he dropped those passes. He didn't want to, um, but 
the pressures of, of being a first rounder and you having to come in and you have to play right away and you have to succeed right away. Sometimes we're not necessarily ready to succeed right away. Sometimes it's a process, but a lot of the times it doesn't necessarily go that way. You don't really have that much time because now we're pros. We have to get stuff done. Teams want to win right now. And I could definitely see what he was, it was going through in that moment. The Eagles have said, and Howie Roseman said, that they did make a mistake. They should have taken Justin Jefferson. Justin has become like the greatest receiver ever. <laughs> yeah. Most yards, receiving yards ever in the first two years of a career. Right. So when Jalen is here in Philly, first round draft pick, that's the label. But they also compare him. Yeah. They compared him the whole time to Justin Jefferson. How difficult is that to hear that all the time? I mean, it's, it's very difficult. Even when I was here, I don't think I was necessarily wanted to be drafted at that at that point in time being here I think it was more so they may have wanted somebody else in that moment but you know how the drafts go in and the way I remember it when the draft boards come out and the certain person in your position goes off the board then you move up but you may not be the right fit for that actual team you may be a fit for another team and then you just get put with a team that you actually have to go to because we have the draft. But that can be very detrimental to your mental health because you feel like you can't live up to what they want because I'm not the same as Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is a dope athlete and he is great at what he does. But you have to treat me as Jalen. You have to treat me as someone that, hey, I do have a skill set that is great. Let's pertain to my skill set and what I do to help the team succeed in a way that we want to succeed. So I think it kind of plays on our mental in a way that um, it takes us down this spiraling path of like, we're not good enough. We can't do this. They don't want me. Maybe I should just go somewhere else. And then you find games where, okay, I may have the catch, but I don't feel comfortable or confident enough to make this catch because I mean, nobody believes in me. So recently in Philadelphia, it's pretty wild because there's been so many first round picks that just haven't worked out. Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons, yeah. Carson Wentz, they both right. at some point said, I want out of Philadelphia. I'd rather be somewhere else. Then you go Markel Fultz with the Sixers, Nolan Patrick with the Flyers. Right. And with the Eagles, Jalen Rager recently, yeah. and then Andre Dillard, who now seems to be rounding into a comfort yeah. Um, and then we go back to you when you're drafted in 2014, yeah. 26 pick. Give us an idea of what it was like to come here to Philadelphia. And were you ready for everything that comes with being a first round pick in this passionate city of Philadelphia? Man, you know, my experience, it was a culture shock for me. Um, coming from University of Louisville, the fans are not as passionate um, it's not as many fans as you were having, like you were playing in the SEC or, you know, a different conference. So we were in a much smaller conference at the time. So me coming into it, I thought it was going to be like that. But I remember, you know, some reporters would tell me before I came, like, are you ready for the fans? Are you ready for the, the harsh critics? And it really never resonated with me till I actually got on the field. And I didn't do something that was appeasing to the actual the fans and they could see it. They everything was on tape, and I struggled. I definitely I struggled a lot. Um, just being out there 
on the field trying to do my very best. And my first year in the league was probably the longest year of my career, obviously coming from the senior bowl, coming from combine, all of these things. And then you're, you're getting bombarded with everything that you do great. Now you're getting critiqued in a way that, okay, this is not me as a person. And then you start feeding into Twitter, you start feeding into Instagram, then you want to, to write people back and you want to get back at people. And, and in all actuality, it doesn't mean anything because it takes you away. It takes your focus away from what you're trying to get accomplished. And I think that's, it, it was definitely hard for me. And the mental battle that I struggled with was anxiety and depression at the time. And it would be days where I would sit in my, my room and just cry because I wanted to be great. I wanted everything to go like how I wanted, to, wanted it to go. I wanted the, the 10 plus sacks. I wanted to be a starter. I wanted all these things. But when I used to get on the field, like I said before, I would, I would handicap myself from doing what I know I could do because I'm, I'm worrying about all of the outside noise and what people say. And, you know, quite frankly, being in the facility, um, Doug Peterson actually coming my third year actually gave me some peace about where I was as a player and he actually helped me. But I, I was so scarred from my first two years, it took a long time to get me out of that phase of being uh, depressed from not performing in a way that people felt like I should. I, I felt like I was nothing. It's interesting because I've always had this conversation with people and I would always say, if Jordan Matthews was taken in the first round <laughs> and you were taken in the second round, I think things would have been a little bit more relaxed for you yeah. about getting going. Do you agree with that? Like the first round pick label, how much does that weigh on somebody? I think that's, it's like if you go from 10 to 100, I think the first round label is 100 because you expect the first rounder to come in and play right now, no matter what, no matter who's in, he in front of, he has to come in, he has to beat out every person that's in there. Well, when, when I got here, I had BG, you had Trent Cole, you had Connor Barwin. You had these guys who actually play really well, who taught me a lot. And so I didn't really play as much, you know, my first season. And I struggled a lot pass rushing. I struggled a lot just in general. So I wasn't mad at the fact that I wasn't playing because it was more so of me wanting to learn how to play. I've only been playing a position for only two, two to three years at that point in time. I was a, a quarterback coming into college. So I really wanted to learn from those guys too and actually be the player that everybody wanted me to be. But because if, if, we, don't, if we don't perform that first year, I think a lot of times, man, fans, they, they write us off and they say we suck. And uh, that can play on to our mental health too as well. Like when, when somebody doesn't like us or something that we've been playing our whole life and been doing well at our whole life, it's now went to like down the drain because we don't really know how to get through that part. We, we haven't talked about our mental health before. It's not a thing. It's not something that we can talk about in our communities, especially as men, no matter if you're black, white, German, Asian, it doesn't matter. As men, we don't talk about mental health at all. And we don't even know it really exists. So that's kind of where I was. I didn't, I didn't even know it, ex it exists. I thought I, I, something was just wrong with me. When you 
saw Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson come out and be open about the things that they were battling, did you kind of say to yourself, man, I wish maybe we had known more about mental health or the acceptance of just letting it all out there and telling people your story or even people with the team? Did you tell anybody with the team? Man, not at the time. I didn't. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I remember uh, Brandon going through what he went through. I remember being in the locker room. BG, Brandon Graham. Well, Brandon Brooks. Oh, Brandon Brooks. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So Brandon, I remember being there when he would go through what he was going through. And um, I remember saying to myself, like, man, I deal with that same thing, but I'm just finding a way to muster through it. And I'm like, not talking about it. And he, like when I left, he eventually started to talk about it. And that's what kind of like made it more so that I came out with it even more. But even before that, when I, when I went to Seattle, I was there, I had just signed a $2.7 million deal with Seattle. It was a one year deal. Um, I had did, I had played a okay year the year before. I'm actually feeling like that I'm going up the ladder again. I'm starting to get back what I, you know, what I thought I had when I, when I first came out and, but I never addressed the anxiety and depression. So each and every year it would be the same thing. I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be able to sleep. Um, I wouldn't be able to play to my ability where I know I could play because of those things hindering me. And so 2018 was a year of, I had to walk away from the game because I was about to commit suicide. I was about to get rid of myself because of the anxiety and depression that I was, that I was feeling. And people don't really realize when you deal with the anxiety and why it's always mended with each other, when you deal with anxiety, man, you deal with it in a way that you feel like you can't get over it. And then that causes you to be depressed. And so you don't realize you're depressed. You just, you feel like a, a black cloud is over your head. And then next thing you know, you're, you're to the point where you want to end your own life. And that's where I was in 2018. But my mother and my wife are the reasons why they, I stopped myself from doing that. They, they gave me a call and you know, that's why I'm here today. But from my experience being here, it traveled with me. It doesn't, it doesn't leave you. You have to actually address those issues in order to move forward. So I thought everything was going really well, but because I didn't address those issues, that, that were laying dormant, um, that's what happened. So you've gone from having anxiety and depression to the level that, that you wanted to take your own life. Where are you at now? How did you get to the point you're at now? Man, therapy. Therapy um, and uh, meditation. Um, it's, it's a lot of things out there that you can do to uh, put yourself in a better situation mentally. Um, Pete Carroll and uh, Clinton Hurt. Clinton Hurt is the defensive coordinator there. Now he's the D-line line coach there. They actually pushed me to go to therapy. And that, that was something that I didn't never see for myself. I didn't, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to go to therapy. That's not something that we do. You know, I, I, was, I didn't really want to talk to anybody because I didn't want them to hold that over my head. I didn't want it to go upstairs so people could know that, hey, he got an issue, he got a problem. I didn't want people to think I was mentally weak. But what I realized in therapy is that when you speak about your truth, that's where your strength comes from. And that's when I started to, to go uphill, when I could actually talk through 
some of the things that I dealt with here, some of the things that I dealt with as a child and why those things all always started to come up in my life and how to combat some of those mental health issues. So now when I have different type of anxieties, I have different coping mechanisms that I can use to help me. And that way it won't get so far as being depressed. I can actually help myself. And then other players come to me and we, and we talk about things and, and being a voice for them to let them know like, hey, you know, I know you're a first rounder, but d this is what you could expect. And if you need anything, just call me. And it'd be those moments where they do call me and we have a discussion and I can bring them back to life a, a little bit because I've actually been through what they've been through and I know uh, what road they're trying to cross. You're putting out there an important message and, and we should remind everybody it is Suicide Prevention Month. And if anybody is ever having any feelings of wanting to end your life, you're going through anxiety and depression, start to talk about it with people. Um, and, and, you know, Brandon Graham, he was a guy, he came here and he was quote unquote a bust for right. a number of years after being a first round pick. How much have you talked to Brandon Graham about where he was and considered a bust to where he went and, and won the Super Bowl for the Eagles with a defining play right. uh, against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Like, how much do you talk with him about that? Man, I, I talk with him actually frequent. We, we talk a lot and we talk about just life in general. We talk about mental health and, and what that looks like. I got the opportunity to talk to him on, on my podcast. And the he podcast is called? The Circle of M. The Circle of M. The Circle of M podcast. Um, but I got the opportunity to talk to him and he talked about uh, him going through being a quote unquote bus and how he felt about that. And I think in that moment, he was, he wanted to get back at the fans. He wanted to do everything that I wanted to do. He like blocked I, a lot of people he, on social media. Right. I remember that. He started yeah. blocking people. But see, even when you do that, that's like giving the fans like, oh man, he blocked me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's still they giving won. them they, recognition. They got to him. Right. Yeah. And um, he would, you know, let let him, let, him, let him get to him a little bit more than he should at the time. But you got to think, man, we're just coming out of college. Uh, we're young pups. We are still trying to figure out life. We, you know, we, we're, we're coming to a place where it's not necessarily our, our place to be. And I think... When we when we do that, Brandon basically got over them doing that to him. Like he was able to push through by the time he got to his fifth year and he may not have talked about it. Right. He may not have talked about it in that point. But what helped him was him helping other people. So when I got there, even though I wouldn't tell him because I was scared to, he doesn't even know that. He helped me get through so many things in Philly because he dealt with the same thing. And that's what it's all about. It's all about being able to help the one that comes before you. And I think teams in general, like you won't have uh, you won't have a bust if you have someone who actually has been through it and that they can talk to because they don't know it. And they don't know what what they're about to embark on. Then you can expect some things like that to happen, like how my situation was. So, so Andre Dillard 
uh, first couple years, he, he talked to us in the preseason, and he yeah. seems like a different guy now. Yeah. So confident, tough, got into a couple fights in training camp because he's not going to let anybody push him around in practice. Yeah. But he said something interesting. He said his first couple of years, he was trying to please everybody. Yeah. Every single person he came in contact with, it's the coaches, yeah. family, fans. How much do you think Andre Dillard, Jalen Rager, guys like that, they could have been helped if teams have somebody like you or somebody mm -hmm. who's been through that and mm -hmm. was labeled a bust for a while. Mm -hmm. do, do, how much do you think that would help these guys? I think it would help them a lot. I think it would help the player a lot because ultimately they want to come in and they want to play really well. They want the accolades. They want to help the team win a Super Bowl. So I think it would help them a lot because if we can have the conversation and we can free ourselves from some of the stuff that we deal with, we could take the thoughts that may be laying dormant that are in the back of our brains that we haven't really thought about at first, but then something that the fan says or something that a coach says triggers that. And now it comes back to the front of your brain. But at the, at the end of the day, you can't really say anything or you can't really talk about it. That's, that's what we think about. But you can come to me and you could talk about exactly how you're feeling. And then I can give you a, a piece of my story. I can give you some pointers. I can give you everything that I have in order for you to go out there and play your best and even just be a, a better man going out into the world. I think that teams would to love to have that because at the end of the day, you want to win, right? And organizations want to win at the end of the day. So. If you have and you're about to spend money on a first round guy, have somebody in place that can nurture him, that can actually build him up because we know that the game is brutal. Fans are brutal. You can't you can't really stop that. But having someone in this corner, man, it'll it'll be it'll be so much greater. When, when you came to Philadelphia as a first round draft pick, uh, Chip Kelly was a head coach. And look, some guys, you know how to push their buttons. Coaches ride guys, and yeah. that's how they get motivated, and it fires them up. Yeah. Other guys, like Doug Peterson, always says you have to you have to love on them. You have to love them up. What was your situation? Were there things that triggered you or got you down that coaches said, or were there negative messages from coaches sometimes? Man, I, I definitely it was it was definitely negative sometimes, and then also. Uh, on my report, there was something that said that, you know, my dad like mentally abused me. And then sometimes I felt Your like- Your report coming out? Yeah, coming out that okay. my father was, he was very hard on me basically. That's what that was saying. And um, sometimes I felt like that they tried to use that against me because mentally um, I'm very, a very calm person, but uh, they tried to pull that out of me. Even the way I play, is not necessarily your rah-rah type of play. Like, I like to be calm on the field. That way I could be sensitive and know what's going on and I can actually play my game. And sometimes that would take me out of my character. That would take me out of my game. And I didn't really, that wasn't me. And I wanted to be me. And, and sometimes that would happen. And even, even when I was there, like the first thing that they, that they said to me, and I won't say any names, but the first thing they said to me was, you know what you got to worry about? You got to worry about being a first round bust, right? And everybody was like looking around and I'm like, dang, so this is my introduction to the NFL, right? But when you say that to someone who 
you quote unquote, you know, spent money for and you want them to be, you know, not a face of the franchise, but you want them to be something or you think you do. It was that was hard for me to hear because I've never had someone say that to me or even like speak of that because I didn't think of that with myself. I, I always thought that I was going to be great at whatever I did. So that was that was the kind of thing that um, that was said to me that kind of like took a took a turn in the way I thought of myself and my confidence too as well. So, so that seemed like a pretty down moment where you're hearing a coach say, you got to worry about not being a first round bus. That's negative messaging. What were some of the other down moments or the, the moments you remember that you're, you're just so low here in Philly where it just seems like you can't get out of that? Man, uh, I think another moment, um, this is before uh, Doug P came. This is uh, when obviously when Chip was there, uh, it, was, it was a moment where we were past rushing. And I kept slipping, right? Kept slipping on the ground. And uh, he kept like, you know, just drilling like, you know, first rounders, good players don't fall. Great players don't fall. They don't fall on the ground. They don't, they don't do this, they don't do that. And he kept just going and going. And I finally snapped because, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, I'm not the person to go off, but I think they wanted to get that reaction out of me, right? So they got that reaction out of me and I remember the general well, I don't think Howie wasn't the general manager at the time, so uh, it was—I forgot his name—but it was a one general, of Chip Kelly's personnel yeah. guys. Yeah, uh, it was one of his personnel guys. He came over to me, and said, "Hey, man, we want to—we want to see more of that, right?" So it was almost like they were more of the rage or more of the yeah. yeah. And it was almost like they were trying to get that out of me, but not realizing me as a player—that's—that's that's not me. That's not how I play my best game. I can't play my best game, man. It will. It would not be a good game for me if I'm in that type of rage. But I think they know everything about us, right? When Before you draft it, you go to the high schools, you go to the elementary schools. They, they make sure they learn everything about you. And so at the time, I used to always wonder, like, if they know everything about me, why wouldn't they do things to help me kind of like navigate through this, right? And not try to put me down in a way that I, I wouldn't succeed. Do you ever think back to that kid? You were a kid coming to Philadelphia as a first round draft pick. Do you ever think back to that kid that was coming here? And if you could have the perspective and understanding and everything that you're talking about now in your mind when you were coming here to Philadelphia, how much do you think things would have gone different for you here? I think it would have been a lot different if I would have had my team in place. Um, I talk about this mental health team all the time. Like if I would have had a therapist in place, mentor, if I would have had, um, you know, something that would allow me to kind of get through those, those mental battles outside of the facility. Because at the time we didn't have that. You, you're expected to play well, you're expected to have this mental toughness, but we have to redefine what mental toughness is. Mental toughness as a football player may seem like, oh, you get a scratch, you don't, you don't talk about it, you break a leg, you just have to get through it. Well, when we talk about mental toughness, that's all in the mind and in the brain. I always say success is not a destination, it's a mindset. So as players, if we can come with the mindset that we're already successful no matter what the, the fans may say, 
what the coaches may say. If you have a bad game, you have someone to talk to to talk through that game. It's not just somebody yelling at you saying you suck and you need to, to do better. It's like, okay, how do we get through this part? When, when you have this bad game, how do, we, how do we get through this part mentally? Because sometimes there is a mental block, and then that's how you see bad game after bad game, and then after bad game, then you wonder, like, what's going on with them? It's them trying to gain their confidence back. But sometimes you need someone there to help you gain that confidence back and give you the revelation that you solely desire. You're obviously sharing your story, and you want to help people, and... Uh, your your podcast does that. Uh, what else are you doing in your life right now or looking towards t- to help people? Yeah, so obviously I'm doing a podcast that is um, it's called the Circle of M Podcast. And I talk to different athletes and we talk about their mental health journey and how they get through it. Because I want athletes to actually hear what they have to say because they might be dealing with the same thing. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to talk to the majority of the NFL, the NFL that gets cut, the NFL that doesn't play a long time sometimes um, because we have to talk about those guys too because those guys are missing in action and they deal with mental health issues too. But we're also, as an organization, uh, where I'm going to the different high schools and I'm going to different colleges uh, coming up to to speak about mental health and what that looks like in my life to help someone heal because that's what it's all about. I want to to speak about this enough so that it'll trigger trigger something in your brain that says, "Hey, you know what? I kind of dealt with that already, or I dealt with that too." And then if it's something that is weighing you down, you now know what you can do to help yourself, right? And it's all about speaking about it because. If you can speak about it, you continue to free yourself. So me talking to you, John, this is actually freeing me and helping me along because I still, it's, it's a journey. I still deal with mental health struggles, but the difference is now I know how to combat those struggles and knowing what you're gonna do when those struggles come, it makes it so much easier. It's interesting earlier in this conversation, you said to me, you didn't think you were worthy of being a first round pick taking number 26. Where do you think you should have been taken or where would you have taken yourself? Well, I mean, I think that I was worthy of being a 26 overall pick, but I, I felt like what was being said was making me feel like I wasn't worthy. And I just think that uh, I was slated to go in the second round, like we talked about. Um, and I think in a draft, I end up moving up the board or whatever it may be. Um, but I would have still picked my, myself at the same place, but I would have just went at it a lot differently. I wouldn't have paid attention to the critics. I wouldn't have paid attention to um, all the things that the coaches may have said when I first, when I first got there. I would have just stayed laser focused and tried to complete what I knew I could complete as a player. And I know I didn't, and I know I struggled, um, but I just want people to know that, man, I was, I was fighting. I was fighting for my life. I was fighting for, for everything that, um, that I feel like I had gained from me playing well in college, the sport that I love. So, you know, I just really just want people to know that, you know, I'm still here and you can be too. There, this is not the end of the road from you. If you are, you know, an average worker, you work in Philly, you are a 
uh, athlete who plays with the, the Sixers, the, the, the Eagles, no matter what, whatever happens, you can come out on the other side, and this is not the end. You played in uh, Philly. You played in Seattle. Mm -hmm. You played in D.C. Uh, I just did a podcast with the Sixers president, Daryl Morey, and he said the biggest surprise about him in Philadelphia is a couple years here is that you really do have to find special guys that can play in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the passion, the intensity of this city, and that has changed maybe his approach about certain guys can't take it, can't hack it. Is Philly really that much different from the other cities or places you've experienced? Yeah, it definitely, it, it definitely is. It's not as loving to, uh, you know, the players if they're not doing, you know, what they want or they're not doing as well. I think that uh, other cities are, you know, more, and I'm not going to say more passionate, but they, you know, have uh, a sense of, I don't want to say like softness, but I mean, you do have to be a certain type a person to be able to endure that if you are like with me mentally being you would say mentally strong or mentally weak or whatever it may be you person like me I would have to have somebody around me in that moment to kind of like help me get through like we're all different so when you are drafting these guys you as an owner as as a general manager you have to know that right so it's it's on them to be able to get that type of person that can actually say who's laser focused like Jalen Hurts like that's a person that laser focused like he probably you know critics were saying a lot of stuff about him but he continues to persevere he continues to push through right so you you get guys like that that can persevere and push through that but if you do get someone who was like me it's okay to actually put some people around them that's like all right look this is what it's going to be, and we have to let you know we can't control the fans. We can't control what they do, right? And sometimes that, that festers into to the way we play. And so I think you do have to be, you know, a type of player to play in this city. But also um, I think we can find, uh, you know, an equalizer to be able to, to get some of the players you do want that may not have that mental mindset that you guys are looking for. You can have somebody be ushered in to talk to them, to be able to give them what they need. So as we uh, wrap this up, what do you think about the Eagles' chances this year? Man, I'm actually pulling for the Eagles. Like, I think that they have a great team. I think they have a great shot. I, I truly believe in Jalen Hurts and especially the new additions that they have. With You know, they have Monte Smith. They have, you know, I mean, he, I just – A.J. Brown, he, he AJ had a Brown, great debut. <sighs> AJ Brown, like, I, I definitely think that they have another chance of, of, of getting to the Super Bowl just, just off the strength of the team that, that they have. And, you know, if they could stay the course and don't listen to the naysayers because I was here, we was, I think we was down 17-0 playing against the Jaguars. We was getting booed at halftime. So – was that Chips? Yeah, that was Chip. That was Chips there. First home game, or was that? that it was the that first was the home game. It was 2014. Yeah, remember that. And we, I was like, "Yo, they are booing us." Wow, but that's just them being passionate. Like they want to win. So if nobody listens to that, and I know, you know, with BG being a leader, Fletcher, 
those guys being a leader, I know that they'll, they'll get back to the dance. I know they will. So, Well, listen, we wish you the best with your podcast, Circle of M. Yes, sir. And then uh, your, your future. I, I know you maybe want to go to school and, and get some training yeah, in, yeah. in therapy and things like that. So yeah, that, that's great. As of right now, I'm a life coach, um, but I plan to um, get my therapy license so I can truly be a voice for them. Um, but right now I'm just a bridge. And so um, that's what I plan on doing, man, just to really help guys and really push them forward. Well, we wish you the best and, and we appreciate you sharing your story and hopefully it'll help some people. And I think the, the thing is you got to let it out and yeah. you got to tell people and let people know. Yep. Yeah. That, that's important. Oh, I'm so flagrant.